Our sermon reading this morning is from Psalm 16, and Bob Pickworth from our 8.30 service is going to be preaching to us from that psalm. I'm going to read it for us now. It's, it's a miktam of David. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Lord, as we look into your word this morning, I pray that you will um, quieten our minds and instruct our hearts so that we will learn more of your truth and how to apply it. Amen. Communication is an interesting thing. Um, does anyone here know Auslan? No? Okay. So if, if I was speaking to someone who was um, mute, I might go, I'm okay. Point to you, are you okay? Now, if you didn't know Auslan, you would think uh, I was waving my hands around getting rid of flies or something. But if you understood Auslan, you'd know what that means. Being with um, someone who speaks a, a different language, if you don't know the language, can be pretty hard to uh, get a grasp of it. We've got a granddaughter, Charlie. Uh, used to be brats, then it was LOLs, and the current uh, topic of conversations, Barbie. Everything's Barbie, which is very relevant to her, but not so relevant to me. So I, I listen, and she goes on and on about Barbies and whatnot. But then she'll come up with something profound like, Grandad, I love you. And it's interesting how uh, succinct and brief David is in this psalm. And he's reflecting on his relationship with his God. He's speaking briefly, but poignantly what he's saying has meaning. And this psalm is, is both a prophetic psalm and a messianic psalm. It's a psalm referring uh, to Jesus. Um, God had made an oath with David that one of his ancestors would be on the throne of Israel. And he refers to um, Jesus, who was to be born 1,000 years after this psalm was written. But we'll, we'll have a bit of a look at that a bit later. So there's basically two points that, um, that David's uh, making in this psalm. Uh, his first one is that his refuge, his security, um, is in God 
and that gives him great joy, but also that his eternal future is assured. So why does David have this confidence? If we could have the first slide, please, Christian. Um, you know, one of the first narratives in the Bible I remember hearing was um, David and Goliath and the little guy beats the big guy and it's the plot of just about every movie and TV show where the underdog comes out on top. But uh, David, in fact, wasn't the underdog. Uh, just because of his size, um, we think that he is, but because his trust and security was in God and he was assured of God's, uh, God had his back that... Um, Goliath, the Philistines, they, they didn't have a chance, uh, even though they didn't recognise it. Um, many times in Psalms we read of David overcoming his enemies, escaping harm, being delivered from his assailants. He, he had a long history of God having his back. Uh, and when he spoke to Saul, um, you know, why, why, are, why are we letting this infidel, this... Um, this Goliath, uh, the, the leader of the, um, of the army of the Philistines, why are we letting him mock us? You know, we've got God and his righteousness behind us. And uh, he said, I'll, I'll take him on. And Saul said, ah, oh, look, you, you, can't even, you can't even put the, the armour on and stand up. How are you going to stand up against Goliath? And he says, well, when I was out minding the flocks, bears and lions had come and uh, I, I overcame then. He's, he's only a man, not as smart as, as them. And of course we know what happened. So David had learned from long experience that God, his God, had his back. And he, in this psalm, is reflecting this knowledge of the refuge that he has in God. Um, many years ago, I had a couple of boys in my office. Uh, being the head of school, discipline and welfare were top priorities and uh, these boys had been each, at each other's throat for some time. They were in year seven. And uh, I remember in the office I said to them, fellas, what's going on? Un unpack it. Tell, tell me what it's all about. You guys should be mates, not trying to rip each other's ears off. Anyway, after we'd unpacked what the issue was, it started to devolve into, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about, I'm better than him. And then it got to the dads. <laughs> One of the fellas said, oh, my dad's better than your dad. My dad could beat your dad in a fight any day. And the other one said, no, he couldn't. My dad would stand up to your dad and flatten him. And they were both convinced that their fathers uh, were going to come out on top. They, they had, uh, it was lovely to see that confidence in and assurance of their fathers having their back to, as their protector. Uh, but it was misplaced, of course. Um, they were wanting to war against each other to see who was left standing. But it's the same concept that David is talking about here. He is convinced that God has his back, that his God is his refuge and his strength. And with him at his right hand, uh, he was unable to be um, conquered. Now, David tells us why he has that confidence. He has that confidence from his past experience, from his knowledge of God, how God had delivered him, how God had been behind him, how God had been his protector and his refuge. But 
he doesn't actually say how, but we know how David had that deep assurance. We're told that David was a man after God's own heart, and we know that our God is a faithful God. One of his major attributes is his faithfulness, his faithfulness to us. If we could have the next slide, thanks. So there's a, there's a little pic of some guide dogs at work. You guys have, have all seen the guide dogs uh, around Richmond in the shops and down through town. Uh, we had quite a lot to do with the guide dogs over the years. We, we raised 13 puppies uh, for the guide dogs and, and still involved with, um, with Labradors very much. Uh, and the whole focus of training a guide dog is to get the dog to be a faithful, obedient set of eyes for its master. And when the guide dogs train their guide dogs, they train them to be faithful and obedient, to listen to the voice of their master, to keep their eyes fixed on the task. But they just don't look straight ahead. If you, if you watch them, next time they're out working, have a look at the dogs, and their eyes are looking left and right above, looking at the... They're, they're all the time, they're, they're scanning what's going on, using their ears as, as well as their eyes to hear. Some of the guide dogs that don't make it, uh, don't make it because they are too easily distracted, they're too friendly, uh, their, their noise might worry them, and so cars backfiring, that sort of thing, might be a distraction. And David learned that same obedience and faithfulness. He, he, he learned to keep his eyes focused on his Lord and not let the corruptions of distraction to lead him away. Um, the, the end result, uh, the end game for guide dogs, uh, or anybody that, uh, that has a dog that they're working with for a specific purpose other than uh, just a companion, um, is to have them love to do what they're bred to do. So I've got a little um, Labrador pup at the moment, Rosie. She's 16 months old, and I'm teaching her quite a complicated task. I had her out here last week. I don't know if, if anybody noticed me after the 8.30 service. I, I had her out, and I was, I was casting her, teaching her casting. So one of the things she's got to learn to do is retrieve a dummy because she's a retrieving dog, and I compete with her in trials. So I'll, I'll walk out, and I'll put her in a in a sit-stay, and then I'll walk 50 metres from her, turn around and face her. And there's a dummy out to the right, a dummy out to the left. The dummy's just a canvas, um, uh, a tube uh, that's quite heavy, and there's one behind her. Now, she, she's in the ute when I put them out. She can't see where I've put them. And this is the end result of putting them close where she can see them. Um, but after quite a few weeks of her not being able to see them, uh, of being able to see them, then we then move to when she can't see them. So I sit her in front of me 50 metres away and I put my hands together like I'm praying. And so she knows that's the command to look and she's ready to go because she knows she's going to get a dummy. I want that dummy, give me my dummy. But she doesn't know where it is. So the command for back is just straight up back. And the command for over is accentuated with a step over, or the other way, over. Now, she's got that down pretty well now, and she'll go in a straight line 50, 80, 100 metres back, or the same distance over. 
But now I've started to, to teach her something that's quite complicated, and that is when she's coming back with the dummy to sit on a whistle command, and she's got to sit quickly facing me, and then cast her over with the dummy in her mouth. Now, first time that you do that with them, they think, well, I got the dummy for you, boss. I'm bringing it back to you. Why are you now sending me over here? But the whole point is she doesn't get to choose what she wants to do. She's got to do what I wanted to do. Now, I've been doing that with her for probably, I don't know, maybe a month now. And the way to a Labrador's heart's through its stomach, so I've always got uh, little bits of ham off the bone or bits of chicken or some good o's or whatever else we... Well, we don't eat good o's, but if we've been eating some stuff, some of, some of that in the pocket. Then, then, after weaning her off the food, when she's doing the casting or comes when I call her, she's happy as because she's done what I've asked her to do. She's got the dummy, which she wanted to get, but more than that, she's wanted to please me. And when she gives me the dummy, you can see her smile and looking around and wagging her tail. She thinks, oh, I've pleased the boss. That's what David is getting to in this psalm, that his joy is in the Lord. If we could have the next slide, please, Christian. So there's a little fella. I don't know how well you can see that uh, pic, but there's a little little fella who's really his joy is in the Lord. Well, I don't know if they took the picture of him and told him they were going to give him a bag of lollies afterwards or not, and that's what he's happy about. But but the pic is is getting across the same concept that David is trying to get across that. His joy is in the Lord. He's taking great satisfaction in knowing that his God has his back. David says in, um, in verse 2, Without my God, I have no good thing. So God is his treasure. Interestingly, if, if we look at that uh, psalm, David uses the word my, the personal pronoun, my, my possession, my, my, I own it, my thing. He uses that over a dozen times. So when he is speaking this psalm of praise to God, he's talking about his God, my God. Um, if you go to, to my place and you call Rosie, she'll run up to you and say good day. but if I call her, she'll turn around straight away and, and come back to me. She'll, she'll run up and say good day to you and jump all over you. you know, it's not a great thing, but we're trying to discourage that, but she's still a puppy. But she knows who feeds her, who looks after her, who throws a dummy for her, who provides for her. Um, I don't know if anyone saw uh, the pic on the news last night of that fella wrestling the, the black bear. Anyone see that? No? Okay. So um, uh, if you go to America, they tell you brown bears, they're a bit of a worry, but they're vegetarians. They eat berries. The black bears are the ones you've got to worry about. Um, we went over there and uh, they had a big foot race on and uh, one of the young fellows, 16-year-old, didn't come back and they went back to find him and they found his leg and uh, his shoe and the rest of him had been taken by a black bear. Well, this, this black bear broke into this fellow's house. It was only a young one, but it was still pretty big and grabbed this fellow's dash hand 
his dog. And uh, the fella grabbed the dog out of the bear's mouth and then wrestled the, the bear out of the door and, and, and put a, um, a seat across. It'll probably be on the news again tonight. Um, you know, that concept of mine, you know, this fellow's protecting uh, his, his dog. God has got our back. God is our refuge. And David is using that, my God, it's my God. Now, um, if, if we get our delight in temporal things, stuff, cars or jobs or even, even our family, they're, they're all going to fade. Moth and rust decay, relationships fail, age wearies us. I've mentioned this before, but the statistics are against us. We're all going to die. Ten out of ten people die. But God is... Uh, David is absolutely convinced of his eternal refuge with God. And he says, uh, I am to receive a delightful inheritance, delightful inheritance in heaven uh, with God. He will be with God. And the next slide uh, tells us um, that we, we will not be abandoned to the world of the dead. David won't be abandoned to the world of dead, but it's actually Jesus who will not be abandoned to the realm of the dead. Um, I'll just get that verse up. I thought I'd written it down here, but I'll just bring it up in the Bible and get the verse. I think it's about verse um, 10. Yeah, he says... Therefore my heart, verse 9, Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one, referring to Jesus, see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Uh, I looked up in the Bible how many times Jesus is referred to being at God's right hand, and it's over 100. So where, where David is saying here, with eternal pleasure at your right hand, he's not talking about himself. David's not going to be sitting at God's right hand. He's referring to Jesus that is going to be at God's right hand. God's right-hand man, if you like, um, because it is through Jesus that we're acceptable to God, not through our own goodness. And that's what Peter is referring to in Acts 2 when uh, he's quoting this uh, psalm. He says, "Because he is at, this is from Acts 2, "'Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken.'" Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope, hope of eternal life. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, you have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. And then Peter goes on, Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried in his tomb. And it's here today, so he was saying to the, um, it was the Passover and uh, the Israelites from all over had come to, to celebrate and he's saying to them, look, there's David's tomb there. He, he did die, he did see decay. But he was a prophet and knew God had promised him an oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Jesus being from the lineage of David. 
Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. So he says to them, brothers, what shall we do then? And Peter said, repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message and were baptised were about 3,000. So 3,000 people uh, heard that message, repented and gave their life to God. So where does that leave us? Well, it leaves us reflecting upon the relationship that David had with his God, who is also our God. And Christian, if we could have the next slide, please. These are the big questions in life. Where did I come from? Why am I here? And where am I going? And this psalm tells us where we're going. David says with certainty and assurance that you will not be abandoned to the realm of the dead. In some, some versions it says Hades, uh, referring to the underworld from which there is no return. Um, David is referring to him, is not referring to himself when he says, uh, your faithful one will will not see decay, but he's referring to Jesus. Um, but he also says, you make known to me the path of life and you will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasure at your right hand. And in the same way that the, um, the guide dogs uh, are, are trained and led to get their joy in their master, in the same way we're to take our joy in our God. And it's a lovely psalm, very, very brief, uh, that is a reflection of David's deep relationship and that's the relationship that God wants us to share with him through Jesus. So I'd encourage you uh, tonight, tomorrow, the next day, um, have a look at Psalm 16 again and uh, reflect on it and uh, just remember that it's Jesus as well as us that are being referred to there. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of your word and ask that it will bring deep meaning and understanding to us through your Holy Spirit. Amen.